Hello all, this is the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and going solo today because I'm going to talk about a very, very special topic that if I was to talk to Ty about this, he would just be horrified and probably have me committed. If I was to talk to Tina about it, she'd be like, you're an idiot. I remember that stuff and it shaped my life very, very well. But I want to talk about something that is pure nightmare fuel. Okay, we are in October. I'm not going to say spooky season, Ty, even though I just said it. But we are here at a time of the year where we're supposed to be frightened. We're supposed to be scared. We're supposed to look for the boogeyman or boogeymen that are in the house. So I'm going to talk about the thing that truly, truly frightened me that as I think about it and as I go through this podcast, it's going to it's gonna continue to frighten me. I'm going to have some post-traumatic stress. And that's a joke. I'm joking with you people. But we're going to talk about very special episodes. Now, if you guys are listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially if you're closer to Ty's age. You know, basically the entire TGIF lineup was nothing but special episodes. Uh, was it you had Family Matters, Urkel got drunk and fell off a building, or Urkel rapped about guns being bad, or something like that. Boy Meets World, I think what's the poor kid that always gets uh, beat down on. I think his dad died or something. He joined the cult. Uh, two separate episodes. But I'm not going to talk about those because that's not what frightened me. I'm going to talk about the 1980s and the special episodes of the 1980s that just gave me the willy, still still give me just the chills thinking about him right now. Before we do that, though, I want to give a little bit of a background. When television is a fairly new thing, the concept of scripted television shows, that's a fairly new thing. I mean, we're talking about maybe 60, 70 years or so. And early on, you did have things like Andy Griffith and there was the Otis drunk or the drunk Otis. Sorry, I'm thinking of the Beastie Boys song. So you would have things like that, and there would be maybe some serious seriousness in there. There's always the filthiest thing ever said on television on Leave it to Beaver. Ward, weren't you a little hard on the beaver last night? I mean, these were the types of things that – these were shows that were supposed to give the people comfort. I love Lucy. I mean, it, now, I'm not taking anything away from these shows. Lucille Ball is the first woman to be pregnant that's on television. She also – by the way, guys, you can thank all of Star Trek – for Lucille Ball. That's another story for another day. But they were doing that. And then around the 1970s, Norman Lear in particular, kind of reinvented television, reinvented the idea of the sitcom. And there were shows like Mary Tyler Moore, where they, I mean, just probably one of the most classic episodes known to mankind, when the, the clown dies and they all go to the funeral and they start laughing. There would be a little bit of more seriousness put into these shows. And you had particular shows like All in the Family dealt, obviously, with racism. It dealt with um, Archie Bunker's racism in particular, women's liberation, people against the Vietnam War. Edith, got his wife, was attacked, and you saw it. It was on television, was attacked, and was, was the attacker said he was going to rape her. There were some more serious things, and you had things like One Day at a Time and What's Happening. These shows dealt with you know, some real issues in a comedic fashion. But that's who they were. What I'm more specifically talking about is the rise in the 1980s. Oh, before I move on, I want to make special mention of the show Maud, B. Arthur, who was a woman in her, I want to say she was in her mid or late 40s, who had gotten pregnant in a very special, I think the episode's called Maud's Choice, a very special two-part episode where she weighs the pros and cons of having an abortion or having the baby 
and decides to have the abortion. Now, what made that big, and I mean big, is that episode aired before Roe v. Wade was before the Supreme Court. So that was a sitcom, right? (laughs) But in the 1980s, you would get some of these shows, some of these kind of goofy shows that took this special episode idea and either made these these most incredibly ludicrous plots that would just scare the hell out of you or try to take timely things to explain to you what was happening. Now, all of Sesame Street is a very special episode, but there is a particular one where the actor who'd been playing the the shopkeep owner, Mr. Hooper, he had died of a heart attack. And Sesame Street, actually, it was an episode, I think it was after Thanksgiving, actually dealt with it and told kids, yes, this can happen. And it is, I'm not even going to play the clip because it's so damn heartbreaking. It gets me teary-eyed just to think about it. But they're trying to explain to Big Bird that he's not coming back. And Big Bird says just quietly, but I still miss him. And so those were real things. Those are real valuable lessons. Some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about, I don't know if it was, well, let's give them credit. They're trying to give you a valuable lesson. And how I'm going to divide this up, I'm going to talk about a bunch of different shows, some of the some of the things they did. And then I'm going to dispec the second half. It's going to be two shows, just two shows. And I'm going to talk about the one that did it the most ridiculous in the 1980s. And then the show of the 1990s that basically ended any real notion of a very special episode and give some final thoughts on it afterwards. So are you guys ready to learn? I guess you're not ready to learn. Are you ready to not trust anyone or anything around you for the rest of your lives? Because the reason why I'm recording the podcast by myself here on a Friday night is because I feel the comfort of not having people around me because I might get AIDS from them. I might get molested by them. I might get raped by them. I might get stuck in a in a refrigerator because of them. So it's better to be alone with myself, the mic, and the great audience out there. So let's let's get started. Let's talk about the most impactful, very special episodes of my lifetime. And I'm going to start with an all-time classic, the show Different Strokes, which it blows my damn mind that of that main cast, Todd Bridges is the only one left. And Dana Plato was the first one to go, not Conrad Bain. Different Strokes, you guys know, it's, uh, you know, what you talking about, Willis? And it's, I apologize for that right now for saying that. The two young African-American kids taken in by the rich New York guy, his daughter, they had a maid for a while. Um, was it Dixie Carter, I think, was on for a while. But Different Strokes, it had plenty of very special episodes. And usually these episodes would start with Conrad Bain saying, this is a very serious topic and people, uh, you need to do this and do that. So you had one where Willis was afraid of a, a crazy kid at school who was played by Andrew Dice Clay, by the way. So he got a gun and almost shot, can't even remember what's his name anymore. Oh, Mr. Drummond, almost shoots Mr. Drummond. And they're like, oh, guns are bad. You shouldn't be having guns. There's the one where... Arnold Gary Coleman, he like he discovered there were drugs in his school and he was going to write it in the paper. And then Nancy Reagan shows up and says, just say no. You had some stuff like that. But the episode titled The Bicycle Man is two part episode. And it wasn't a season premiere. It wasn't the end of the season. It sat like right in the middle of the damn season here. OK, is the one that a lot of people will remember. Those of you that know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But those of you that don't, those of you like Ty, who are like the bicycle man, what are you talking about? Now, I want to first give special shout out to Gordon Jump was uh, played the bicycle man of this episode. Gordon Jump of WKRP fame. Gordon Jump of goofy kind of 
slubby, bald white guy played this part. <laughs> I give him a lot of credit for this. But essentially, he had one of uh, one of Arnold's friends, and he they were. I guess he wanted a bike. Arnold wanted a bike or something. So he and his friend, who I don't think you see in any other episodes, they go to this shop and Gordon Jump plays the guy that runs the shop and he starts to give them special favors or give them like candy, give them these things. And then he decides he he's like wants to take pictures with them with their shirts off. And it's just really creepy. I, I, really, really creepy. You want a really good description of a lot of these things I'm talking about. Go to Funny or Die and go look up special episode. The guy that did Zach Morris's Trash, he did these. And, I mean, they have one on here about it. As a matter of fact, you go look for YouTube, you'll find that more so. But the bicycle man, he's taking pictures of their shirt off. And then he's wrestling with them. And he's giving them wine and pizza. And he's offering them pills to make them feel better. Even to the point that Arnold leaves and leaves his friend Dudley behind. And at the end of the episode, they're like, they find Dudley at Gordon Jump's place in the bathroom, drugged, basically. And thankfully, the police make sure they know nothing happened. He's going to be okay. He's going to get through this. This guy's arrested. But, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. I did the episode a little while ago about the PSAs, the public service announcements. This was an hour of sitcom that kids were watching, that this kid was watching and thinking, I don't I think I've walked into every bike shop for the rest of my life with this episode playing in my head somewhere. And that is so unfair to the people in bike shops. I don't believe they're they're like Gordon Jump's character here, but that that one stuck with me. That's one when I was thinking of this episode, it is like one of the first three that came to my mind. But let's go to something that might not be as well known. So there's a show in the early mid eighties called Too Close for Comfort. If you remember it, there's going to be a reason you remember. There's two big things you can say. is Ted Knight of Caddyshack fame and of Mary Tyler Moore fame. Uh, it was a Ted Knight vehicle. I think he lived in a house. I think he was a cartoonist or something like that. And then the other reason you'd know is the not gay flamboyant. Hey, guys, it's future RD here breaking in because you're going to hear me say Jeremy J. Bullock. I know now after editing, it's Jim J. Bullock. So I apologize. Please just replace Jeremy with Jim. Thank you. Jeremy J. Bullock of, of Hollywood Squares fame. He played uh, this guy Monroe who's like a, a boarder or something there. I am so not describing this well because I barely remember this show. But I remember this episode. And I'm going to tell you, it was hard to find some some information about this episode because I guess after it aired, they never aired it again. And people have, look, if you want to go see the Star Wars Holiday Special, you can go see it. It's out there. So this is out there. You can go see it. But the episode itself, I want to go to, this is from the TV Guide, okay? When this episode aired, all right? This is how it's described. Now, first off, you have the news, the CBS News, Golden Years of Television, and then Too Close for Comfort. Comedy. Henry, Ted Knight, is determined to bring to justice the two women who kidnapped and raped Monroe, Jeremy J. Bullock. That's the what TV Guide put in. When you're looking what to watch, when you're looking what crazy shenanigans are getting up to, that's what you see. Here's the thing about this episode. Yes, Monroe was out and two burly women grabbed him, brought him into the back of their van and raped him. Now, you didn't see it. The whole thing's played for laughs. The whole thing. I mean, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's it's not the most horrifying thing I'm going to talk about here. That's, that's coming up. But it's a man. I mean... Th- 
they're dealing obviously with a very serious subject, but there's no Ted Knight at the end being like this is very serious business, like Conrad Bain would be and say, You gotta talk about it, da da da. No. A man gets raped and it's played for laughs. That episode exists. I'm not making that up. <laughs> so uh, you guys can go find it. But let's talk about something even more horrifying. And let's talk about the absolute worst use of a laugh track in television history. You guys know the laugh track. I don't have the laugh track on here. I've, I've got the applause. But, you know, the TV shows would have to, so you at home would know when to laugh. They would put laughter after the jokes. And I don't, do we do that anymore? I can't remember. I'm going to be that weird guy. I don't really watch TV anymore. Maybe we should. Maybe I'm going to do that. I'm going to bring that back. Well, there was also in the 1980s a little show called Mr. Belvedere. Now, Mr. Belvedere was this poncy British butler guy or whatever, who at the end of every episode, you'd see him writing in his book about the lessons learned or what people did. The wild thing about Mr. Belvedere, okay, the father of the house, is played by Bob Euchre. And Mr. Belvedere was on for, I think, five or six years. Bob Euchre, okay? Bob Euchre of Major League fame to most of us, of Milwaukee Brewers announcer to the people of the Milwaukee area, and to great Cardinal, not great baseball player to those of us that grew up in St. Louis. Bob Euchre was, this was his like vehicle, his show, and he had this family and a couple of kids in it, and there's a there's a couple of episodes, two in particular, that deal with this kid Wesley, one of the younger children, a little boy. Well, a little boy, like a he's like a preteen or something like that. So the B plot of this episode is his older brother is gonna take home act because it's an easy A. That's that's what he's gonna do. So that's the kind of jokes the show is going for. But a particular episode calls what called Wesley's friend. So Wesley He's jazzed because he gets to play Abraham Lincoln in the President's Day pageant because the kid who was originally going to play it can't play it because he's sick or he's got to be out of school. And he's sick with AIDS. Cue laugh track. Yeah, that's kind of how this episode runs. I really encourage you to go watch that Funny or Die special episode about this. But Wesley doesn't really know what AIDS is, but obviously... Bob Euchre knows what it is. And every, and again, this was the mid-1980s, okay? This was the era of Ryan White. And you find out Wesley got it through a blood transfusion, and the kid's like, oh, yeah, I got the AIDS now, so I guess I'm, yeah, I guess I'm just going to have to lay down. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I, I don't know how much often I'm going to do that, but the whole episode goes mainly about, not that this kid has a disease that he is going to die from, has to deal with Wesley and his friends being like, yo, don't hang out with that kid because if you're near a kid with AIDS, you're going to get AIDS. And everybody kind of bugging him and the school doesn't let him in. And even at the end, Wesley learns the error of his ways because Mr. Belvedere is a, a good, good homie. And he's like, he needs to come up here and do his speech. And all the parents are like, oh, my God, that kid's with AIDS. What's unfortunate about this episode is I go back to the Ryan White story, the kid in Indiana who got AIDS through a blood transfusion and they wouldn't let him go to school. If you're ever up in the Indianapolis Children's Museum, there's an excellent, and I mean excellent, exhibit about Ryan White and his story. But I give Mr. Belvedere credit for doing this. But the laugh track and the just kind of, I, I don't know, at least, at least the Bicycle Man was a two-episode thing. This was a one-off. I know they were trying, but in a lot of ways it doesn't help that when 90% of your episode is... Oh, you can't hang out with kids with AIDS because you're going to get AIDS. I, I just, I, 
I know you tried, Mr. Belvedere. They actually tried later on, I think, again, with Wesley, where he's at like a camp and one of the counselors touches him a little too close. And it's like, oh, that's the bad touch. And I don't expect to see full pedophilia or a kid in a hospital bed with AIDS or anything like that or to see a man raped by two women. I'm not expecting to see it, but they're trying. They're trying to to teach you a lesson in their sitcom format while they still try to be the sitcom. Again, it just scared me more than taught me anything. But now let's talk about Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster was nothing but a very special episode. I could probably say the same thing about Facts of Life. The reason why I'm not talking more about it is I didn't really watch Facts of Life. I know there was one where where I think they found out Blair, her the, the blonde girl, the blonde rich girl, that her dad or grandfather was part of the KKK. And uh, I don't think she ever learned a lesson from it other than, oh, racist white people can be rich too. Who thought? And I think there's another one, again, with Blair, where she lost a student council race, but the girl who won committed suicide because of pressure. I didn't really watch it. I just, again, in research, I saw some of those. But Punky Brewster, I watched the hell out of that stuff, okay? Again, there's two episodes in particular I really want to talk about. One is the one we all know, is the one we are all totally aware of, where it's called Sherry Lifesaver. In the episode, the kids at school all learn about CPR. And then Henry, the commandant from uh, the Police Academy movies, I guess Punky's his ward or whatever, he was trying to get rid of a refrigerator and he put it outside for the trash people to pick up. Well, a bunch of kids decide to play hide-and-seek and one of Punky's friends hides in the refrigerator, which, oh, where's Sherry? Where's Sherry? And then they find her unconscious and they have to give her CPR and everybody learns and everybody's fine. And it's like, hey, kids, don't go into a damn refrigerator. Again, after I learned that, I never went into a damn refrigerator. Okay, Indiana Jones, that might be good for him and not good for me. But the other one I want to talk about is Accidents Happen. This one I do remember really well. The whole episode deals with Punky wants to be an astronaut. She's really just geeked into being an astronaut. And ooh, lo and behold, a teacher is about to go into space on the shuttle Challenger. And so the whole class is going to sit and watch it. You all know the rest. Challenger explodes. Massive uh, just sadness, just everything. And Punky's like, Oh, my God, I'm never going to go to space. I can't go to space. It's too dangerous. It's too this. And who shows up to reassure? Buzz freaking Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin shows up and is like, yes, accidents happen. It does. That's what we do. But space is awesome. Space is wonderful. And I walked on that damn thing. And Punky, if you say I didn't, I'm going to punch you in the mouth because that's what Buzz Aldrin does. I remember that well because the shuttle Challenger, the disaster, is one of the biggest things to happen in my life. Shaped everything in my entire life. So you're watching this episode with this ongoing sense of dread that you know what's going to happen. But man, buzz freaking Aldrin. God's bless you, sir. I'm, I'm, yes, word. Awesome. I'm going to end this half on a truly despicable show with some truly despicable person involved with it and some pretty cool people involved with it. And that's Growing Pains. Growing Pains was never my thing. I think it was on TV. But like it's one of those shows that I don't ever remember liking but I know a lot of it. I guess it was on TV and we watched it. Growing Pains also had Leonardo DiCaprio. He played a homeless kid, talking about special episodes, a homeless kid that the Seavers brought in. But Kirk Cameron, pile of garbage, Kirk Cameron. There's one particular episode where he and his friends, and one of his friends' name is Boner, who, again, the dude that played him is, uh, I mean, just ter- a terrible, terrible Terrible story. I I don't want to go into that now, but 
they're all at some party and they're all into like this, these hot girls and everything like that. And then during the party, one of them pulls out a little bit of that white nose candy, a little bit of a Tony Montana special, some of cocaine and Mike Seaver, Kirk Cameron. You could tell he's never really considering it because it's Kirk freaking Cameron. He's busy abusing his co-stars and calling them fat and all that other stuff but he like oh no you can't do cocaine it's bad and boner and them are like but girls and he's like but cocaine and they're like okay and they leave and everybody's happily ever after and nothing bad happens but let's talk about bad stuff happening so there's no better way to close this off than killing matthew perry all right no better way because that's nothing but a special episode you've had near pedophilia you've had well i mean full-blown aids near choking to death you've had near doing cocaine you've had all of these near things let's talk about consequences because that's what a lot of these didn't show were the consequences i mean even the challenger thing it, it ended on a fairly positive note there's a growing pains episode called second chance so tracy gold the actress who again you just look at just the abuse she took on that show i mean awful 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 but her character was was had a, had a great guy dating her. They really liked Matthew Perry. And, you know, everything's awesome. Everything's great. And he gets drunk one night and goes, drives and gets in an accident. And she's like, she hears that he's in an accident. Oh my God. And she goes, we go to the hospital. He's perfectly fine. He's like, oh yeah, I made a mistake. And I, I learned my lesson and I can't do this. And I can't do this. I'm going to fly straight. I'm going to do all that other stuff. And man, she's, she's just so happy that she's got her man. He's learned his lesson. Things are smooth going from here. Gets home. And her mother tells her, I just got a call, and I can't remember the dude's name, but Matthew Perry died from internal bleeding. Because when they went to the hospital, they didn't check for that. Died. <laughs> it was, he didn't die in a grisly crash where he killed somebody else because he's drunk and all that stuff. He got in an accident that could put him in the hospital completely coherent, have a, have a reversal of ideas and fortune, stuff like that. But no, in the 1980s, and this, this one in particular... It's not almost. It's you have sinned, you have punished. I'm almost thinking that they decided to let him live, but Kirk Cameron's like, oh, Tracy can't have any happiness. He must die. Jesus says he must die. Matthew Perry died of internal bleeding or whatever of injuries from his because he drove drunk. You know what? Don't mess with Kirk Cameron and his, his white gun-toting Republican Jesus. That's just how you're going to learn your lesson. And I have never driven drunk and died of internal bleeding because I watched that damn episode. <sighs> okay. I got like chills on here thinking about it, going through this here. Uh, I'm going to take a breather and we're going to come back. And like I said, we're going to talk about one show, which 10, 15 years ago, I might have said is the best show ever made. Now it's probably one of the worst. And another show, which is no matter when, is always going to be one of the best shows ever made. The show that, in my opinion, finally killed the 80s notion of the very special episode. Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, She's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness 
in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Suzy was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, everyone, let's talk about Family Ties, the show that launched the shiniest of stars in Michael J. Fox, Alex P. Keaton. I want to give a little background on this. I wanted so much to, like, I think of myself in three stages of my life. There was a stage where I wanted to be Alex P. Keaton. There was a stage where I was basically Max from Rushmore. And then there's a stage now, which I like to call my Truman Capote light stage. But Alex P. Keaton. I was a Republican as a kid when I didn't know any better or anything because of Alex P. Keaton, because he was a Republican. Family Ties was appointment viewing for me. It was probably the most important show to me in the 1980s. And then we had the the age of the DVD come, and I always thought, oh, I should go back and like buy full seasons of Family Ties. I didn't watch the show in 15, 20 years, but I never did. And then when Netflix first started streaming, they had. They may still, I don't know, but they had all of Family Ties on there. And so I'm like, I'm going to go back and revisit it. That show is terrible. <laughs> it is aged so poorly. And a couple of the shows I talked about at the top, uh, Mary Tyler Moore. A couple years back, I went through a run of Mary Tyler Moore. It was just something I'd watch. Excellent. I mean, excellent, excellent show. Uh, Cheers. I have Cheers on my list to run back. I have a couple of friends and stuff that have, and they're like, man, Cheers is great. And you want to talk about like very special episodes. I mean... Carla's husband, Eddie, dies, gets run over by a Zamboni machine, and the whole thing's kind of played for jokes in a lot of ways, but still has some seriousness to it. I mean, Cheers knew how to do that stuff. But Family Ties was maudlin. It was it was insulting. You actually go back and you watch it's insulting. And the three episodes, because yes, I'm going to talk about only three, but three episodes in particular really just show off how how not even aggressive a show like Growing Pains is. And everybody that's listening is thinking, it's like, oh, Family Ties was a much better show than Growing Pains. No, it wasn't. Growing Pains killed. They killed him. They killed Matthew Perry. I mean, they did it. They went for it. So the first one I want to talk about is actually in the very first season of Family Ties. It's the sixth episode. It's called Give Your Uncle Arthur a Kiss. Very quickly, for those of you who don't know, Family Ties is Mike and Elise, two parents in Columbus, Ohio, I believe. I know somewhere in Ohio. And they're a couple of hippies from the 1960s. And they have three kids and Alex, Mallory, and what was her name? I'm not talking about her. I feel bad. Tina, was it Tina Yost? Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk mainly about Alex and Mallory. Alex, their oldest son, they have two younger daughters. And so by the time this episode was airing, the character of Mallory had to be like 14, 15 or something like that. But the father, Stephen, works at a public radio or public television station. And they're doing their annual pledge drive for those of you that 
watched public TV. You know that. They would do their plug drives and give you a tote bag if you gave them some money. I believe my wife might have a few. So there was a guy that worked there with Steven named Arthur, and he was really good friends, and the kids knew him, so they always called him Uncle Arthur, even though they're not really related. So a young teen, Mallory's there supporting her parents, and Arthur kind of corners her and tries to kiss her like in private. And she's like, oh, goes to Alex and says, Uncle Arthur did this. And Alex is like, oh, you know what? Reagan's cool. Don't worry about it. Nothing that bad happened. And so she's really distraught. And then later on, they're somewhere and she's like confronting them. And he open mouth like goes right at her. And she yells and tells her parents. And during like the pledge drive, her mother Elise like, Tells him, how dare you do that to my daughter? Do this. Don't you ever do that again. And that's how it ends. No police. No beating the living hell out of Uncle Arthur. Just don't do it again. And I think he was perfectly fine from there on out because we never saw him again. But let's talk about a real uncle that we saw. Not once, but twice. Elisa's brother, Uncle Ned, played by Tom Hanks. That is right. Tom Hanks. Probably either pre or post Boozum Buddies, Bachelor Party. Not yet winning two Oscars, Tom Hanks. But Ned Ned shows up in two episodes of this show. One is he embezzled a bunch of money, and I think he's going to go to jail or something, so he's hiding out. That one I didn't look too much into. The other one, though, <laughs> is, it, this goes with, like, that Punky Brewster one. I remember watching this, okay? And the episode's called Say Uncle. Now, I'm going to play this clip here, and then we're going to discuss. Uncle Ned, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's see. Now, there ought to be some alcohol in here somewhere. Oh, I forgot. Marinated artichoke hearts. You ever have a real good artichoke high, Alex? <laughs> Cut it out, Uncle Ned. You, you really don't need this. Oh, 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 oh. Here we go. Now, it may not be Miller time, but it is vanilla time. Look at you, kid. Now remember, don't drive and bake. (laughs) So Uncle Ned is a drunk and couldn't find anything to drink, so he's drinking vanilla extract. This is the day I learned that vanilla extract has alcohol and has quite a bit of alcohol, and it also tastes terrible. But look, I like my drink, but if I'm out of something, it's not vanilla extract because I'm not a raging, raging alcoholic. But it's not all just laughs and funs and games. I mean, Uncle Ned isn't your good fun drunk. He's not your kind of uncle that's going to try to forcibly kiss you, but not your good fun drunk. Because things take a dark turn later in the episode. Young Executive of the Year, 1980. Uh, Your speech before the World Bank. When you made Junior Vice President at 28. Alex, what are you doing with this stuff? Whenever I think I can't achieve something, I look at those. Yeah, well, Alex, these are ancient history. They're garbage. Hey, Uncle Ed, don't do that. Hey, give me those. Leave me alone. Give me Leave me alone! What the hell are you doing? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry, Alex. Now, that is the kind of acting that gets you two Oscars and multiple nominations. So this is the end of the episode. It's after he, I don't know what he's doing, but Alex is trying to 
say, hey, Uncle Ned, you're great, or you were great, and he just flows, he slaps him. I mean, he slaps him hard, goes flying backwards. You can actually tell it's so choreographed because, like I said, Family Ties is just not that great of a show, but full out slaps him and then realizes, oh, God, I've done something wrong and joins AA, and we never see him again because he's a great, successful, happy man after that. He goes on to, I don't know, coach women's baseball in the 1940s and become big as a kid and be Forrest Gump and on and on and on. But yeah, it, just a, a great slice of history. Tom Hanks on Family Ties as Uncle Ned. The last one I want to talk about, though, is actually the very first episode of Family Ties that I watched when um, when Netflix had it, when I wanted to revisit it. And it's a later episode called A My Name is Alex. Now, it's very, it's one of these television episodes that has its own Wikipedia page, okay? So I'm going to read basically from Wikipedia, what it says about this, all right? A My Name is Alex is a two-part, hour-long, very special episode of the NBC television series Family Ties. The episode aired on March 12, 1987, as an hour-long episode, the second half-hour broadcast without commercials. The episode won numerous awards, including a Primetime Emmy Award for Michael J. Fox, a Humanitas Award, a Writers Guild of America Award, as well as a DGA Award. Big-time stuff. Okay. Uh, Tina Yothers was uh, Jennifer. That was the other person I see now in the cast here. But now I'm going to read you the plot detail. Part one. While the rest of the Keaton family grieves over the sudden death of Alex's childhood friend, Greg McCormick, who you never met before. Alex, that doesn't say that. I said that. Alex himself is acting strange, gradually becoming overcome by a volatile mixture of emotions that he futilely futilely, I can't say that, tries to hide. We learn that Greg was killed in a car crash while running an errand that Alex had declined to help with. After Greg's funeral, Alex begins showing symptoms of survivor's guilt, admitting to Mallory that my life was saved out of the smallness, out of the lack of generosity for a friend. It basically goes on, Alex goes into therapy, and it's a very stagey episode. It's done, as somebody described, it's done like the play Our Town, very minimalist stage, people acting in and out of it as Alex works through his grief and even comes to comes to the realization of believing in a higher power. Sounds profound. It's not. I mean, it might have been something in 1987, but it just has not aged well. And this, like I said, this is the first episode I went to, and I love Michael J. Fox, and I think the dude slays and everything, but Family Ties was just this concept, this boomer concept of a better Reagan-like America, and that's exactly what this thing is. Even if the parents are supposed to be hippies, Family Ties is definitively a product of its smoke and mirrors Reagan-esque time. And this episode just, again, it sounds amazing. But I will tell you guys, you go listen to or you go watch it, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know about that one. So let's talk about the show in my lifetime that ended what I'd call a special, very special episode. And a lot of these I've talked about, they're filled with very special episodes, but most episodes of Mr. Belvedere is proper British Mr. Belvedere looking at St. Louis, Milwaukee icon, Bob Euchre, and maybe Cleveland to a point, and saying, whoa, you Americans are dullards and you're kind of strange and things like that. Different strokes. Yeah, again, it had its special episodes, but it was a lot of, I'm not going to repeat it again, but it was a lot of the catchphrase. What you talking about, everyone? You guys will appreciate that one. Punky Brewster, again, just kind of ridiculousness here or there. Too, too close for comfort. Couldn't even remember. Their special episode was used as as more comedy. And Growing Pains. Again, these shows are what they are. 
we moved into an era, like I said, with Family Matters, Full House, Boy Meets World, where they became – they were all uh, – Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I could have talked about that one, but I'm on kind of a Will Smith boycott right now. Come at me. Just don't slap me. But Saved by the Bell, <laughs> okay? And we all know where this is going, all right? But Saved by the Bell had – it was trying to impart messages while at the same time being entertaining. And my God, is Saved by the Bell entertaining. I found myself recently just every now and then going to watch old episodes of it. And it's great. It's so great. And I got to really give this to is the actors in it. They're all great. That's why the show works. They're good at doing this ridiculousness. And Rod Belding is a God-level tier bad guy of all time. I need to go back to Ty and do our bad guy draft. And I got to put Rod Belding up there. But Saved by the Bell had little special episodes here and there. Even back in the the Mrs. Bliss era, there was the one with Stevie, the singer. Uh, there was the one late, later on where Zach's kissing Lisa and making Screech all upset and all those other things. But there's five episodes. That's right, five. That uh, while I was being scared by the Punky Brewster, Mr. Belvedere, different strokes eras of the time, these were the episodes that I'm watching going – my God, is this show just a parody of the special episodes? Because I'm going to believe it is. I'm going to believe that Saved by the Bell is trying to parody this because these are ridiculous to the point of being high art. So the first one I'm going to talk about is a Tory episode, a later season one, Drinking and Driving. And unlike Matthew Perry, nobody dies in this one, but Zach and all of them are drinking. I think they're in like one of Lisa's parents are both doctors. So they're in one of her nice cars and they get into a slight accident. They go off the road and they're trying to cover it up. They're trying to fix it, do, do all these other things. Hijinks ensue. And at the end, one of the few rare, rare visits of Zach's dad, he's like, you're grounded. No driving. Thank God you're alive. I love you. Don't drink and drive again. And they all learn a lesson. Everybody goes home. The next one, No Hope with Dope. We all know what we're talking about here, okay? The one with, was it, I think, Johnny Dakota or something like that, who is this this teen idol, and all of a sudden they're, they're smoking pot, they're at a party. But again, unlike the Growing Pains one where you think Kirk Cameron's supposed to act like he's thinking about it, oh, no, Zach's having nothing with it. And then at the end, they have their whole little commercial for a, a PSA against drugs. Their whole, you know, there's no hope with dope. That's uh, just, I will have that embedded in my brain forever. I want to go yell at President Biden as he does what he should do and pardoning all these low-level marijuana crimes and say, hey, Joe, there's no hope with dope. And then I want to talk about a home for Christmas. <laughs> I have gone over this. Every year in my advent calendar that I do, I watch this episode every year in December. It is so, so good. The one where Zach gets a homeless girl for Christmas. Again, Funny or Die does an incredible, I think it's the Zach Morrison trash series they do, but incredible breakdown. But you watch, it's a two-parter. My God, this episode is so good because it's trying to be so earnest and it's so bad at doing everything that again it ascends to this high art and mark paul gossler awesome in the in these two episodes just so so awesome but the top two now we all know what number one is we're gonna do that but you're thinking okay rd what would you think is the second greatest special episode of saved by the bell is it the one where zach finds out he's a native american and the dude dies or whatever no it's not that one 
Is it something from the college years with Professor Lasky? No, because college years uh, are not part of my canon. Is it uh, the one where with the girl in the wheelchair or the, the fat girl? I mean, is any of those? No. It's an episode called Pipe Dreams. And I, I do. I so adore this episode. If number one wasn't just so iconic, this would easily be mine. But it's the one where they're going to they discover oil on campus and they're going to get all this cool stuff. They're going to get a new football stadium. They're going to get all this, all that. And then all of a sudden there's a spill and the ducks, the duck pond that they all love, the ducks all get oil all over them. And one of them, uh, Becky, the duck that Zach really likes is dead. And it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. It is, it is way more heartbreaking than when Slater's lizard dies. I mean, this is so heartbreaking. And then at the end, what I love about it is the stunt they pull with the oil guys, and they're like, oh, what if some oil gets on you? And they're spraying, and Zach's like, oh, it's an accident. Mr. Belding's like, it's all an accident. There's going to be no oil drilling, and everybody's happy. Primo. Primo, primo stuff. But come on. We all know what number one is. Why don't you take it away from me, Jesse Spano? Tonight? Come on. Wait, what am I going to wear? Jesse, remember? Lisa's bringing your costume. Right, i got to wash my hair. No, there's no time. No time! There's never any time! I don't have time to study! I'll never get into Stanford! I'll let everyone down! I'm so confused! Jesse, hey! Hey, just calm down. It's okay. You're right. It's okay. Everything will be okay. Yeah. I just need one of these. Pills! You mean you really are taking drugs? I need them. Jesse, give me those! I need them, Zach! I have to sing! Jesse! You can't sing tonight! Yes, I can! Jesse, Jesse. Oh, I mean, I'm going to be serious here, okay? Elizabeth Elizabeth Berkeley sells the hell out of that scene. If I'd watched that for the first time and you told me she was taking some cross between cocaine and heroin, I'd be like right on. I mean, she really does. I'm being serious. She sells the living hell out of the scene. But again, caffeine pills. That's where Saved by the Bell went. That's where the very special episode dies. You're not willing to go all the way. You're not willing. I mean, Family Ties, for how saccharine it was, still was <laughs> talking about sexual assault of a minor, okay? They're still going there. And you again, everything else I talked about, they go to these big places. Saved by the Bell, they're going to deal with drugs. They're going to deal with high-achieving students having all the pressure in the world on them, and they're going with caffeine pills. That's where it dies. It dies with, I'm so excited. I'm so scared. And that's it. I am properly, properly scared now. I am properly scared of every darn thing. There's probably four or five boogeymen in my house right now. I am so scared because I have relived my childhood trauma, my childhood demons, my childhood monsters here in the month of October. So, Guys, we'll be back next week. Ty's going to be coming back from the happiest place on earth. We're going to continue the October run. I got a very, very special project coming up that I'm going to be really excited. Look at seedsing.com to see what we're going to be doing. It's going to be a mixture of the website and the podcast, and it's going to be great and it's going to require your input. So go to our Patreon, go to the X Millennial Man Seedsing, subscribe, rate, Give us some reviews. We've been getting reviews, which is awesome. It helps us show up better on Apple, Spotify, Google, all of them. I'm really excited about where we're going. So with all that being said, 
Thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we're here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. Go out there. It's okay if the kid has AIDS. They're not going to pass it to you. If they do, then you've done something drastically wrong. It's okay to go to space because if you don't, Buzz Aldrin's going to punch you in the mouth. It's not okay to drink and drive. And if you're at Bayside, it's not okay to take caffeine. So those are the lessons we have. Good night. We'll talk to you next week. The X Millennial Man podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik and Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.